0: Welcome back. Episode 5 of The Corner Booth is presented by Procrastination Sports. On today's episode, Mulraney and I will discuss Rob Manfred, the NBA, Tom Brady's free agent status. But first, a word from our sponsor, Novice Clothes. Spring can't come soon enough, and honestly, it'll be here before we know it. That's why I need to tell you about my guys at Novice Clothing Company. What started as a hobby is now a homegrown business ready to customize your orders. From hoodies to hats to t-shirts and jerseys, whether you're outfitting an entire team or cheering section, the Bernardo brothers at Novice Clothing Company will handle it. Nick and Garrett both graduated from LaSalle Institute in Troy, New York before going on to play college baseball and they're reinvesting back into their community with this local business. Parents, coaches, and booster clubs, you need team apparel. Let's support a growing local business. Check them out at com and on Instagram at Clothing Company. and get ready to claim your crown. Alright, let's roll. To the corner booth, presented by Procrastination Sports Scores and Mulroney here as always. This is episode five already.
1: We are cruising along. Mike, how you doing, man? Pretty good. We got a lot to talk about today. I'm back from vacation. We had our
0: baseball preview show come out, which was awesome. If you haven't caught that, go and check it out on our Spotify channel or on the blog procrastinationsports.com. Mike, the news that has been dominating recently. Is actually baseball news. Baseball found its way into the headlines in February, which is shocking, but they've done it. We can go one or two ways here. It's all surrounding Rob Manford. We can talk about the Astros and the lack of punishment, or we can discuss the playoff system. I say we start with the playoff system. You had a great blog up. You put one up, right, about the playoff system? Yes. Yeah, so why don't you start us off with that? Kind of explain what the new proposed playoff system is, and then we'll go from there.
1: So, it hasn't really been a great week for Rob Manfred when they leaked this proposed playoff change, which came from his office to try to get people to stop talking about the lack of punishment for the Astros cheating scandal. This postseason idea is awful. Yeah. First, seven teams now are going to make the playoffs. In each, thir- in each league. In each league. So 14 of the 30 teams are in, which gives you three division winners and four wild card teams. Four. So you're no longer racing for the top two wild card spots. They're easy in. The third place wild card team, easy in. Now you have m- these bottom teams, which are like 79 and 82 having a Mm -hmm. chance to be in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I think it's crazy. I guess I understand. Well, I think the reason why this came out this week is because Manfred in baseball wants everyone to stop talking about the Astros. It didn't really work because he put his foot in his mouth regarding the trophy, which we'll get to in a little bit, that whole quote. But I also think it's because baseball is a dying market. Guys like you and me are few and far between who still love baseball and watch it all the time. It's become increasingly regional and I think what baseball wants to do is to create more buzz the only time they get ratings is during playoff baseball they're feeling being more playoff baseball the better I understand that the negative with this in my opinion is that it breeds mediocrity for all these owners who are involved with bottom of the barrel franchises like the Mariners the Marlins all these teams that were 15-20 games out of the playoffs this year with this new proposed thing Everybody will be in the hunt until July, August. I think it just is a is an out for the owners to say, hey, look, we're close to the playoffs, or if you do make the playoffs as the seventh seed and get your doors blown off, it's like, well, we were in the playoffs. So for the fans, I think it's kind of a double-edged sword. In one sense, it could be great because you're in the playoffs, but on the other hand, it's like we our owners aren't doing anything to get us to the point to where we're going to be competitive year in and year out. Maybe one of these years we can snake in a seven seed in the playoffs. It's a lot like the NBA, in my opinion. Like, you see teams, like, historically throughout our adult life, like a team like the Orlando Magic, right, who have these bad seasons, but then they'll be the eight or seven seed, and guess what? The franchise gets to stay in Orlando because they're in the playoffs every once in a while, every three, four, five years. I think it's ridiculous. I think the whole system is crazy. Yeah, it would be entertaining. I'm not arguing that because I do think more playoff baseball, the better. I honestly think the number one seed is at a disadvantage by having to sit out for, what, it would be four or five days?
1: Yeah, Um, so the new wild card round. So get this. The number one seed in each league gets a bye, which they created the wild card position to end because the best team, after sitting out for a week, turns out hitting a baseball super hard. You can't just take a week off and jump back into playoff baseball. So we've eliminated the whole reason for the wild card in the first place. Now, the two other division winners get to pick between the bottom three wild card positions. And that's ultimate bulletin board material. I wouldn't even want to pick. I'd be like, no, I'm not picking. You guys tell me who I'm playing. And the top wild card team doesn't pick. They get whoever's left. Right. So. The, that's how the first and the wild card round now is no longer single elimination. It's best of three. And all the
0: games are at the higher seeds' home stadium.
1: I believe so. Yeah, I read that earlier. And that to me,
0: look, I've, I, I think sitting in baseball is the sport where I would least want to do it. I think the rest versus rust debate that all the big J journals talk about. Would actually be something that could be considered here. I think sitting out that whole time would be a detriment to your team. If you're rolling and you don't and you and now you have to sit out and regroup, and now you got to come in and face a hot seven or six seed. Like for example, were the Mets a playoff team last year? In my opinion, no. Their offense was awful. But you know what was a playoff caliber aspect of the Mets? Their pitching staff. Would you want to face Degrom and Syndergaard in a best of three series? I sure, I sure as hell wouldn't. So now, if you're the two seed, yeah. you're going to be bounced by the Mets because they've got two stud pick pitchers
1: potentially. And now, at least with the old wild card system, when they added the second one, those teams had to burn their best pitcher. Right. Now with those four wild card positions, you might be locked into that third seed for weeks. So the Mets or a team like a team like them could line up Degrom, Syndergaard, Mats, one, two, three. And then all of a sudden it didn't matter that you won 96 games and the Mets won 82 because you don't have three guys better than that.
0: And the other thing, too, that I find interesting is, right, if the, if the first round, if the new wild card round goes three games, okay, they're going to play them three days in a row. I understand that. But say if you're the Mets, let's use the Mets. We'll continue to do it. You pitched a Grom in game one. Yeah. Game two, game three happened. The Mets win the series. They're potentially – will have to be a travel day. If not, so be it. But now that one seed is getting grom on either three days rest in game one, or you're getting them in game two. Whereas the old system with the, with the one we currently have, the wild card game, you ain't seeing grom until game three. Yeah. So now that changes the complete whole trajectory of the series.
1: There has to be a travel day because say the Phillies who win that division or the Braves go, oh, well, we beat the Mets 12 out of 18 times this year, we'll play the Mets. And then the one seed is the Dodgers. You have to travel from Atlanta to L.A. There has to be a travel day. There's no way the Players Union would agree to it without one. Yeah, I think that the reason that they're okay with doing it that
0: way now is because you're going to get the travel day after game one and two. But in this scenario, you would be playing potential without a travel day. You're playing five days in a row in a
1: playoff series. Yeah, there's no there's no way that after the three home games, there's not going to be a travel day. But the whole system is unworkable. Say you have a team like the Rays who won a ton of games last year or an upstart Blue Jays team. They play in domes. They rent the dome out to musical acts. Or was it the San Antonio Spurs every year have to go on a two-week-long road trip for the rodeo? There's all kinds of weird shit that happens. So yeah. now you're telling these people who own the stadiums or even the towns or municipalities that do, hey, you can't book anything for months because what if, what if the Blue Jays win 83 games and they're the seven and they win a series and they have to come back there in the middle of October? Are we going to play the World Series the week before Thanksgiving?
0: Well, that was another question that I had with this whole thing. In this scenario, they have to shorten the season by 10 games. You have to play 152 games. And then that distorts the entire history of baseball in the live ball era of playing 162 games. Stats are going to be different. Everything's going to be different. But if they don't shorten the season, like you just said, we're going to be playing baseball when it's snowing
1: in New York. uh, Last year, Game 7 was, what, November 1st? Yeah, the World Series has... The last few years, Game 7
0: has landed in a day in November 1st or November first or 2nd. But if you're extending this out by another five days, you're looking at the World Series potentially ending November 10th.
1: You're not going to want to play Detroit or New York or, or Boston. No, you-
0: you're not. So, for example, if the Yankees are the one seed and you got to go to Game 7 of the World Series in New York on November 10th, forget the opposing team. The the Yankees don't want to play there on November 10th. It's freezing.
1: No, it's going to be 26 degrees. This is going to be a complete disaster.
0: It's not like a football home field advantage where, yeah, the Packers are used to playing in freezing temperatures all year round, so it's okay. The Yankees play baseball in the summer. Now we got to play baseball in the snow in November?
1: Yeah, there's, go- there's going to be a thing where you're almost going to want to root for Tampa Bay or Toronto because they play indoors. Or you're yeah, going to want a West Coast West team Coast like the or Dodgers Ohio. or something like that. You're not going right. to want any of these Central Division teams or Northeast teams. And the Northeast teams are where baseball makes all their money. And no one's going to want to watch World Series games in the snow when it's 28 degrees out.
0: I think for I mean, us as viewers, I think it would be entertaining. But I think logistically and for baseball's sake, and the players seem to hate it too, which is interesting. So I'm pulling this up quick right, right now. I'm looking at the teams that would have made the playoffs last year. So in the American League, we would have had the teams that made it. Yankees, Rays, Twins,
1: Astros, and Athletics, okay? Yeah. So in this scenario, we need what? So five uh, teams made two it. more so wild card never. teams. Two more wildcard teams. So the Indians, who were a bona fide playoff team last year, they won 93 games and didn't get in.
0: Yeah. So I would be okay with that. And then we would have had the Red Sox, who won 84 games, okay? But after that, so the teams competing for the seventh spot down the stretch would have been the 72-win White Sox, the 72-win Angels, the 78-game Rangers, and the 68-win Mariners. Those would have been the teams. That would have been in the hunt come the last week of the season. Not the Mariners, I guess, but the other teams in the 70s would have been in the hunt the last month of the season. All right. To the National League, Braves, Nationals, Cardinals, Cardinals, Brewers, Dodgers. Okay, so two more teams in that scenario. The Mets would have got in with eighty-six wins, and the Cubs would have got in with eighty-four wins. Okay, so those teams pretty much barely. The Mets, ten games over five hundred, are now going to be a playoff team. Wild. So baseball's never seen anything like that.
1: Yeah, and especially coming in, what the Cubs won eighty-four games, so they were eighty-four the and seventy-eight, very- so they were six over.
0: Yeah, the Cubs were 33 and 48 on the road last year, and they'd be a playoff team.
1: That's not good. So, that last position, and I wrote this in the blog, it's going to look like the Eastern Conference 7 8 seed, where, just like you said, the Orlando Magic will get in 35 and 56, or whatever ridiculous thing it would have been 35, 35 and 47. Just Yeah.
0: Like, now that I look at it, I thought we would be like have a bunch of like seven, like barely five hundred teams get in. But honestly, you know the teams that would have been competing down the stretch, yeah, they would have been the Reds at seventy five wins, the Phillies at eighty one wins, the Diamondbacks at eighty five, and the Giants at seventy seven wins. I just don't see how because eventually, right, there was a lot of teams that won a lot of ball games last year, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking. At some point in this system, you will get a team get that'll get in at eighty one and eighty one. That'll be a five hundred team.
1: Yeah. And I can't see how that's not a big concern of I know you want as much playoff baseball as possible, but do you want this kind of random champion generator that this is going to provide? And I don't think you do. I don't think you want to see these teams that aren't that good. The Cubs you just said were 11 games under 500 on the road. Now they're going to have to play three games in Atlanta against Atlanta. Like, there's no way that those games are going to be watchable. They haven't been good. And I also think, too,
0: the other thing that I'm interested with, like, do we want to go down a path? Yes, we all love upsets, right? And that's what drives sports. Seeing a great upset is awesome. But do we want to get into this? This, this mode of if a team gets hot, they win the World Series. Like, for more times than not, the, the team that hit was the best team or one of the best teams all year is playing in the World Series, right? And, and lately it's been the Dodgers, it's been the Red Sox, it's been a team like the Astros that people have been into. Are we really prepared to get into the point to where the Brewers get hot and go to the World Series and take on the Texas Rangers in the World Series? Baseball is already dying in the sense that people don't watch it. The, the, the better teams now are the teams that are spending money. The Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox for the most part lately. Teams like this, big market teams that are spending money. The Cardinals historically. Do, do, can baseball survive a World Series matchup of, let's say, Rangers, Brewers, because these two teams got hot at the right time? I don't know if they can, and I don't know if they want that.
1: It's it's something that's designed for short-term money, and I don't know why you would go for the short-term money instead of devising a better long-term strategy, but that seems to have been the M.O. of Manfred's entire commissionership to this point. Right. See, I, see, I think if
0: they want to give a team a buy, I mean, the way to do that, so what, they need to add seven teams in order to get a buy? I mean, it's, is that what they're trying to Three, four, five, six... Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think the way it is now is fine. I mean, I, I personally didn't love the wild card game when it started, but I'm starting to get accustomed to it. I think baseball used to have the most perfect playoff system there was. Three teams in a wild card. The wild card plays the number one seed, division series, championship series, and we go to the World Series. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was the perfect system, and it really showed. See, this is the problem that baseball is facing. They play a marathon schedule, 162 games. And now, with the wild card game, they've already diluted that whole thing. You play 162 games to get bounced in the first round. Now you're bringing more of this like trickery and who knows what else into this. You play a 162-game season. A team that has a 500 record gets in and beats the number two seed. So why are we even playing 162 games? What's the point of that? There's no point in playing a long season to do stuff, this gimmicky type stuff. The point of the long season, the reason it started back in the day, in the 1900s, 1930s, when only two teams met and you won your league and those two teams played in the World Series, was we're going to play a long season, 162 games, or when it started, 154 or whatever it was. We're going to play a long season, and the two teams that have the best record throughout this marathon season, they're the two best teams and they're going to meet up to play for the World Series. So that's obviously changed because the times have changed and you have to evolve a little bit. But what point are we going to get to that this evolves too much to where the 162-game season is not nearly as important as it once was and teams are just trying to get to 85 wins, and guess what? We're in the dance. I don't like it.
1: No, now half the teams make it. And then beyond that, part of the thinking for the wild card game, and I was with you, I didn't like it when it started, was that, It was another advantage for the number one seed. Where, hey, this team might have have had a week or two off after you won your division or set the wins record. Now the wildcard team is burning its best player. It's another advantage of the number one seed. Now the number one seed loses all of its advantages. Maybe you get to play the lowest seed and that team has to start its fourth starter or first starter on three days rest. But... You're still out of practice. You're still rusty. Do you want to face Jacob deGrom on three days rest when you haven't faced live action for a week? No. 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 And we've seen this
0: with the 05 Tigers. I remember watching an interview with Jim Leland, who was their manager at the time. They won the American League Championship Series against Oakland that year. I believe they swept them. Maglio Ordonez hit a walk-off homer to win that series. Might have been in five games, but I'm pretty sure it was a sweep. The Cardinals battled the, or the, um, who was it that, that year, 05, what year did the Tigers go to the World Series, 06, yeah. I think, yeah, 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 so the Cardinals go to the World Series in 06, not 05, they match up against the Tigers in 06, the Cardinals have a long series, I think, seven games against Houston, maybe, at the time, this, this is all off the top of my head, but what Jim Leland said was, we waited around so long, and there's only so much you can do to get ready. For live action like you just said yeah. and the Cardinals went out and won the World Series in five games and Jim Leland accredited it to just like do I think we had the better lineup yeah but we just we just were out of out of sync we went out there the Cardinals were hot and we couldn't you know we can't have our guys throwing live against our hitters in fear of injury and fear of getting tired all this other stuff and he said we wish that we were in the Cardinals situation and we just went into the series and that's the problem with this If I'm a baseball team, I'd rather be the two-seed than the one-seed. At least I don't have to sit out for four days.
1: Yeah. You almost de-incentivize winning games at the end of the year. Correct. Another bonehead thing Manfred
0: does today or this week, whatever, comes out and says that he doesn't see the point in asking the Astros to relinquish their title or give up a piece of metal, as he called it, and he got hammered by everybody, from Mike Trout to Cody Bellinger to Nick Markakis, to former players, to managers. They, at Trevor Bauer being the big one, tweeted right at him about the playoff thing and then came out with a YouTube video about the piece of metal comment. He got hammered. So what are your takes on Manfred and the way he's handled this last couple of months?
1: I love that last year Rob Manfred blamed all of the league's lack of PR around Mike Trout who might be the greatest baseball player of all time.
0: Yeah, on his way.
1: And he blamed all of Trout's lack of stardom on Mike Trout. And now the one thing that Mike Trout has decided to talk about that isn't Philadelphia Eagles football is how much Rob Manfred sucks at his job. And you got reactions from Nick Marcakis, who I don't believe... In the million years that Nick Marcakis has been in the league, including on some bomb Baltimore Orioles teams, I can't remember him saying anything about anything. And he was just like, I hope everybody on the Astros gets beat up, which is great tape. And so Manfred's been getting killed by everyone. Trevor Bauer gave a series of interviews about this stuff. Everybody has just been drilling him on this because he did such an awful job. The Astros have given no apology and he has nothing to say about any of this other than to continue to shit on his own sport. Yeah, I think
0: I, I think he's done a horrible job. Do I think he's going to lose his job? No, but it's a tough job to have when all the players hate you. Trust me, <laughs> that's got to be that's got to be difficult. And he had his opera and then he said today, we're recording this on Tuesday. Um, he said today that in an ideal world he would have suspended the players on Houston. What does that mean? You could have suspended the Houston players. You're the commissioner of baseball. You had the opportunity. You know they all cheated. So suspend them. Do whatever you can. I mean, his punishment was a joke to begin with. Yes, it was good he came out in front of it. And I thought at the time, you and I talked about this, and I said, great, he's getting out in front of it. He's laying down the hammer early. And then he backed off it. Didn't punish any of the players. We all thought, you and I both thought, the punishment of the players were coming. We thought there was going to be more fines to come. We thought there was a potential postseason ban that was going to come, and none of it happened. He he didn't. He barely punished his team. And if I'm a player, and I'm saying, why shouldn't I cheat, or why shouldn't I break the rules if this is what Manfred's going to do? Bring it on. The guy's a joke.
1: Yeah, so the only thing that Rob Manfred has... Well, Manfred was afraid of the players' union. And that's ridiculous. Ridiculous, because the job of the union is to threaten a lawsuit if Manfred came down. Who cares? I'm sure Major League Baseball employs lawyers, right? Because somebody wrote the warning on the back of your ticket that said they're not responsible for you getting hit with a ball. So I know they have somebody on retainer. Take them to court. If there's an injunction like there was with Brady in the NFL, who cares? At least show that you give a shit about cheating. If you have to suspend every single player that appeared on that roster for three years, you have to do it. And then if they sue you, deal with it in court. Let them continue to play. But at least, I feel like if they gave them the year suspension and it was playing out in court, you wouldn't have all of these pitchers saying, dude, I'm going to hit you. You know, Clevenger on the Indians, uh, Alex Wood, all of these guys have basically said, you step into that box, I'm hitting you. And the only thing Manfred's cared about is the fight that's inevitably going to happen because he's already warned all the team's pitchers, and that's it. Well, I don't think that's even going to work because under the same CBA he was afraid of, they still have to punish the pitchers according to that. So there can't be like a 50-game suspension for hitting somebody. It's going to be 5 or 10 days what it always is. And if I was an organization, I'd say if I hated the Astros as much as I think all these owners, coaches, and players do, I'd say go out there and hit them if I was the owner. I'd say drill them all, and I'll pay every single one of your fines. We don't care. That's a way to get around the new three batter rule. If you're a left-handed specialist, come in the seventh inning, get the lefty out, and then drill the next Astro that comes up, get thrown out, and you got the right-handed pitcher in.
0: Yeah, Look, the whole thing is a joke. Manfred to me... Has like cut off his nose to spite his face in a sense because look, you had an opportunity to get all the other thirty clubs behind you or twenty nine clubs whatever it is behind you and say look you made a you made an example of the Astros this is this this bullshit cheating is going to stop in our game. He didn't do that so now yeah the Astros probably are okay with it but you got the rest of the league the coaches the players and the owners who think you're a complete joke so so now you have to go into Now you have to go into a season where nobody's taking you seriously, nobody's taking these punishments, if that's what you want to call them, seriously at all, and now you're going to come out and threaten people for wanting to hit the Houston Astros because they cheated the game for three years and tainted the World Series and tainted awards and tainted contracts and all this other stuff? You didn't stop anybody from hitting Alex Rodriguez when he came back. Ryan Dempster threw at Alex Rodriguez five times in an at-bat trying to hit him before he got him, and nothing happened to him. You didn't come out and say anything horrible about him, about they were ruining the integrity of the game. But now you're going to punish people who were cheating for three years, took people away from teams, people lost out on contracts, people got more money, people didn't get as much money, and now you're just going to... Not do anything? You're going to punish the pitchers for hitting people? He's a joke. He's a joke. Let's do a live read here for our sponsor, Novice Clothing. Uh, I first met Nick and Garrett back in the day we played summer baseball together, and these guys graduated from LaSalle Institute in Troy. Uh, They each played college baseball. They came back from school. They started Novice Clothing Company as a hobby but are now outfitting many of the youth teams in the Capital Region uh, in upstate New York. Based in Albany, the Bernardo brothers have lived through playing an uncomfortable athletic year, too big, too small, Too thick in upstate New York, not thick enough. Novice Clothing Company doesn't outsource for its apparel. They produce it themselves, ensuring the best apparel possible while cutting out the middleman and saving you the consumer money. Parents, coaches, and booster clubs do what we do here at Procrastination Sports and specifically at the Corner Booth and support this local business. Get started at noviceclothingcompany.com and on Instagram at noviceclothingcompany and get ready to claim your crown. Mike, let's transition. The NBA All-Star Game was over the weekend. And Not so much need to talk about that. I, I, for one, got back from my vacation and didn't have any cable or Wi-Fi. It was a goddamn disaster. That's been fixed, thankfully. Let's talk about the second half of the NBA season. What do you expect from the teams? And if you want to give your prediction to who's going to win or who we're going to see in the final, go right ahead.
1: I'm interested in seeing if the Sixers can rebound. They're the sixth seed right now. Uh, there's a lot of talk about whether or not they have to break up Simmons and Embiid. I'm interested in seeing how that goes down the Bucks and Giannis are on pace to win about 69 or 70 games are they going to break through this year the Knicks are five and a half games back of the eight seed that's important to recognize the Clippers are signing everybody who's buying out they just signed Reggie Jackson today on Tuesday uh they got Marcus Morris there's Portland and Memphis are going to go back and forth for the eight seed Memphis has a lot harder schedule down the road I would love to see Portland and Carmelo get in just to get killed by the Lakers. Lakers definitely going to be the one seed there. They're five and a half clear there. So there's a lot of interesting storylines coming down the stretch here in the back half of the NBA season.
0: You know, who's playing good basketball in the West is the jazz right now. They've won their last four. I think they're up to like nearly 37 games somewhere in there. I don't have it pulled up in front of me somewhere around there. And they're very good at home. That's a team you don't want to see in the playoffs at home. Those crazy weirdo fans. In, uh, in a Utah, they get behind that team when they're good, and if the Jazz break out those old-school 90s jerseys, then good night. That team might be unbeatable at home. But I, th- I think they've only lost uh, three or four or five games at home this year. They're a good team. You mentioned the Sixers. Uh, I'm interested with that. I read earlier they are 9-19 nine and 19 on the road this year. Brutal. And 25-2 and two at home. I wrote that down. That was some research. 25-2 and two at home and 9-19 nine and 19 on the road. Yeah. They've won their last three, but – That team's weird to me, man. I don't trust that team in a playoff series for some reason. I think uh, the coach, Brett Brown, is in over his head there. I think he's got to go at the end of the year. they got to get somebody else in there. I don't know. I, I, I love Embiid. I personally think Simmons is a tad bit overrated. That might be a little bit of a hot take, but I love Embiid. I don't think Embiid's the problem there.
1: I don't think you can overrate Simmons because he can't shoot. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. You can be first team all defense, and I think he will end up being first or second team all defense as a point guard. But beyond that, they're just going to sag the defense down like Boston did last year against him, or two years ago. And you're going to have to make these spot up shooters beat them. They don't have a lot of shooting this year. They lost Reddick. Harris is having a down year shooting. Embiid has never been a decent three point shooter. He shoots it enough for the defense to be honest. But he's still one of, statistically, the worst three-point shooters in basketball. Right now, I think if they do split him up, which is dumb, because I think you can't split up two of the top 15 players in basketball. You have to get a coach in there who can work to everyone's strengths and force Simmons to shoot. Who cares if you lose regular season games with these guys? Shoot a jump shot. Right.
0: They're going to make the playoffs anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think with that team, I, I don't know. They, they they need some type of change. I don't know what it is. but they. I mean, you can't go 9-19 on the road and expect to win a playoff series. Yeah. A team that I think is sailing under the radar that I like that I think matches up pretty well with Milwaukee is Miami. I like Miami a lot, and they're very, very good at home. I think they might have, aside from the Sixers, the best record in the NBA at home, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you might have to fact-check me on that. But they're very good at home. I like that team. Jimmy Butler – so far, it doesn't look like he's going to sabotage this season like he does everywhere else he goes. <laughs> the Raptors are an awesome story. They lose they lose Ka- 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 Kawhi. They've won, like, what, 18 of their last 20, I think? And they're just cruising to the two seed right now. And they're, I've, I think they're within striking distance of the one, like five and a half. They're not going to
1: get there. but They won 30. 15 games in a row, and they're still five and a half back of the two.
0: Yeah, they're very good. That
1: team is good. Oh, yeah. I like
0: to see that. And I think... There's two teams in the West that I think we need to look out for that, that can and will potentially beat the Lakers. I mentioned the Jazz. I like the Jazz a lot. I think the Nuggets are another year away, but the two teams I like, obviously Clippers because they got Kawhi, but the Rockets are sneaky crawling up, and they are going to be fighting for that three two, three, four, five seed. They're in the five right now. I just I just pulled it up. But they're only two games out of the four, two and a half out of the three, and three and a half out of the two. That team is a team you don't want to overlook. they got a lot of firepower on that
1: team. Oh, yeah, and they just signed Tamari Carroll, who was bought out by the Spurs. So they're bringing in another weapon there. The Rockets, they're not going to have a streak like they just went through where Harden's struggling and shooting tour date numbers from three, three of 20, one of 15 kind of stuff. What they've come, what I think D'Antoni's done there is when they notice Harden is having a tough night, they just let Russell Westbrook turn into a one person tornado and he just shoots like 16 of 24, zero threes, has 45 points, 12 rebounds, and ten assists. He just does everything still. And the nights where Harden can give him a break and shoot better, Russell Westbrook with fresh legs going into the playoffs is going to be dangerous.
0: Yeah, I agree. The other team that I think is interesting – a team well, not interesting, but a team I'm just shocked by is the Thunder, that they're still hanging in there. I mean, yeah. I-, I thought they were going to be the- one of the worst teams in the league.
1: I was really hoping that Chris Paul was going to go out on a bad team.
0: Yeah, me too, because he's unbearable. Who's your pick? Who's your finals pick? Do an Eastern Conference, Western Conference at the midway point here, and then you're champion.
1: Final, right now, I'm going to go with – I think Toronto sneaks it out and they go back and I like them to go up against Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers. I think, the, I think Kawhi buries his old team. They win five um, but right now I'm taking Clippers over Raptors five games. League MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo again and I think most improved players Pascal Siakam first one to win it two years in a row. Siakam is dangerous out there in Toronto, but that's that's where I'm going with right now. Two big awards.
0: All right, I'm gonna go. I'm taking the Clippers as well in the Western Conference. I like them to go. And the Eastern Conference is really a toss-up for me. I can make the case for the top four teams: Heat, Celtics, Raptors, Bucks. I think Milwaukee's hungry after last year, so I'm gonna go Bucks, Clippers. I think the Clippers win it in seven. So that's gonna be my pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I this is kind of the time of the year where the NBA gets interesting. It's tough to get into it before now, but now is the time where we start to see some meaningful games. Nothing better than playoff basketball, especially the conference finals. If we could get a all-LA conference final yeah. with the Clippers and the Lakers, that would be perfect. What else we want to touch on? So we do want to briefly touch on the big NFL story, obviously, that's going all over the place right now. And that is uh, Tom Brady, where he's going to end up. Tom Brady, where he's going to end up. Mike... This is a weird story. It's like a weird romantic film where the breakup's happening and you just want to see how it ends. What do you think? You think he's coming back to New England or you think the dream's over?
1: What I love this past week was that the new Davis, I think it's Mark Davis, Al's son who owns the yeah, Las Vegas right. Raiders, said two years, $60 million for Tom Brady, which if you're Derek Carr, you're not happy about. Because they've, Derek Carr, shown flashes of being a decent quarterback. Won a lot of games with Jack Del Rio before they revamped the entire team with Gruden. He might be okay, but Gruden loves the Peter man who he brought in last year. Raved about him on the Gruden bus on Monday Night Football, quarterback camp. And now they're trying to bring in Brady to get rid of you. I think Tom Brady isn't as washed as people think he is. I think he's hit the end of his prime where he can't take five, seven, like the seven dwarfs of his wide receiver core of like Edelman and Amendola and Hogan and and all these short white guys. I don't think he can throw them open the way he used to. I think you're going to need to get him talent if he stays in New England and, and AJ Green or somebody else who might be available if they trade for Odell after he gave Brady those hideous goat cleats last year. But that's how, if he doesn't take the money in Las Vegas, and I don't think he will. But kudos to Mark Davis for trying to sell out that new stadium. I think he ends up back in New England in uh, taking way less money than the $60 million because they're going to go out there and get an A.J. Greener and Odell Beckham and reload for one last two-year run at a championship.
0: Yeah, I don't think Brady's the type of guy that will go to Vegas. hes I don't think Vegas is Tom Brady. I think if it was a different guy in a different family situation, Vegas might be far more appealing. But to a guy like Tom Brady, although we did see him at the uh, UFC fight, maybe that was a little foreshadowing. I'd be shocked if he went to the Raiders. The only thing that is enticing about the Raiders is that he's closer to his home. and I think he grew up in San Francisco, California. Yeah. You have a coach who he obviously respects, and you have an owner that at this point has showed that he will dump money anywhere necessary to try to, win, to, to try to win games. So that to me is enticing. I don't see him going in division. I read a thing that possibly Miami because of the Flores connection. I don't see that at all. The fake rumor that Michael Irvin started about Dallas, that's not going to happen. I think if you're going to go to the West Coast, I'd rather go to the Raiders than to the Chargers, as weird as that might sound. For our whole life, the Raiders have been dysfunctional, but more recently they've seen more with it than the artist formerly known as the San Diego Chargers. So I'd be shocked if he didn't go back to New England. I just don't see a real landing spot for him outside of maybe Tennessee or maybe Oakland or Las Vegas. But those are the two that stick out to me, and I don't really see that. I mean, I do think Tennessee would be a phenomenal situation for him. I just don't know if they're willing to pay 25 $30 million for two years and kind of break up what they got going. Now, I don't think Ryan Tannehill's the answer, so I think taking a shot with two years with Tom Brady with that defense oh. and Derrick Henry is probably the best idea. But I just... Who knows? Joe Montana went and played for the Chiefs, so anything's possible. I just don't see Brady playing anywhere else. But
1: mm-hmm. there is a
0: flip side of that coin to where Brady and Belichick are two of the most fierce competitors we've ever seen, and I think they both want to try to prove that they can do it without the other one. Belichick far more than Brady, in a sense, because or, I should say, Brady wants to prove it more than Belichick because I think as soon as Brady retires, Belichick will have his opportunity to prove it because yep. he's going to outlast Brady. But I, I, I don't see Brady leaving in the Patriots bringing in a guy like Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston or somebody like that and play quarterback for him. I just don't see it. I, I just don't. I, I still think an aging not-as-good Tom Brady is better than 90% of the other people
1: that are out there. I agree so. with you. I think that there's... Tennessee and Miami, I'm putting at a 0% chance. Zero. I don't think there's any chance he goes to Miami. I think they're set on getting a quarterback, especially now, with Joe Burrow kind of leaking out that he doesn't want to go to Cincinnati, and who can blame him?
0: That's not a mistake
1: either. No. So I don't think he's going there. I don't think he has any chance of going to Chicago. I think the doors open a little bit in San Diego with the new Los Angeles Chargers. I think there's a little bit there. Maybe they're not sold on Tyrod Taylor, who's the backup there, who might be the heir apparent. There's a little chance. If Las Vegas does something stupid and guarantees the whole $60 million and he gets, like, Kirk Cousins money, I think he has a chance maybe to play indoors there where he might be able to make a run at some of Breeze's records. There's what a slight Cousins,
0: chance. What about if Cousins goes to the 49ers, which has been rumored? Does Brady go to the Vikings?
1: I don't think he wants to play outdoors in Chicago and Green Bay at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: I think that Minnesota would be good because they have a lot of weapons there. He could still be very good. The Dallas rumor, I think Jerry Jones had Michael Irvin start that to bring Dak's money down. Because he doesn't want to give Dak $40 million a year.
0: Well, Dak Prescott's not worth $40 million a year. I've said this since since the day these rumors started. The guy's not worth $40 million. I don't know. There's about three quarterbacks that I've seen play in my lifetime that are worth $40 million. Maybe a few more than that. I would say Brett Favre, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, and I would probably put Patrick Mahomes in that category right now. Yeah. And I guess Aaron Rodgers, but he's kind of flaked out recently. Look, there's not many guys that are worth $40 million. I just named them. And Dak Prescott ain't worth $40 million. I mean, look, what have they done with Dak Prescott? They went to a playoff. They went to, two, what, two playoff games with him. They can't make the playoffs this year with him. You'd, you'd be better off bringing in Andy Dalton and paying him $20 million than paying Dak Prescott $40 million and not having any more money to spread around. Pay Andy Dalton $20 million and spread that $20 million around to guys that can make some plays. I just don't see how you're going to give that guy $40 million. Right? Yeah.
1: So I, I think that it's pretty much New England's probably around 90% of where I think yeah, he's is going to go.
0: And I don't like, I, look, yes, he turns the ball over a lot. But I think people that don't that aren't interested in Jameis Winston are crazy. I think that's a guy you want to get around a couple weapons, a coach. Like I'm shocked Arians wants to get rid of him so quick. I, I thought that would be a good matchup, those two guys. But I, that's a guy I wouldn't give up on so quickly. Yeah, he turns the ball over a lot. But if you can cut down those turnovers, you can't teach 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns.
1: Also... He just had LASIK eye surgery, so he can see now. Correct. He'll be able to spot defenders, which is huge when you're playing quarterback.
0: So yeah, I mean, I, that that's going to dominate pretty much the next month of news until we get to March Madness. Where is Brady going? Where are all these yeah. quarterbacks ending up? So it'll be interesting. Now we got to turn our attention to March Madness, Mike. We got to get ready for March Madness. We're going to have so much good stuff on the on the blog, excuse me, and on the podcast for March Madness. I'm excited for that. There's nothing better than March Madness. Just you know. A complete month of just gambling, watching games, eating horrible food. It's just the best. It's the best.
1: So that'll be here before we know it. You got anything else, Mike? No. Say it all. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to always check us out on the blog. The blog's
0: been doing great. We're continuing, you know, getting uh, views and getting a bunch of likes and comments on there. People are commenting about how much they enjoy it. Our followers continue to go up. You know, I think, let me see here quickly. We'll just do a little dive. You know, we had over, we had nearly four thousand views last month. We're on our way, pretty close to doing around that same number. Keep helping us out. Go to procrastinationsports.com. Comment, like, share it with as many people as you can. Doing a lot of good stuff over there. Remember to get us on Spotify. With this, where else, Mike? Where else can they get us with this?
1: Well, this podcast you can find us on Spotify, The Corner Booth by Procrastination. Then we're also, and you can find this on the main page of ProcrastinationSports.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're all over there. So check us out wherever you can. All right. Good stuff, Michael. Thank you, as always. Good
0: show. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Corner Booth. Thanks, everybody.